freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is in session. And good Thursday morning from the Iowa Catholic Radio Studios in West Des Moines. Uh, we're glad you joined us this morning. I'm Deacon Mike Mano. I'm here with Gina Knoll. Gina, how are you this morning? Good morning, Deacon Mike. I am doing well. I'm doing well. Did you see as a follow-up to something that we carried uh, uh, last month sometime that in Finland, the member of parliament and the Lutheran bishop who were accused of, what is it, ethnic uh, agitation, um, yes, he was going to be put in jail. They were going to be put in jail. They were acquitted of all charges the other day. Wonderful. So that's uh, that's good news. It's a it's a victory for free speech out there. It's a victory for freedom of religion. Uh, and of course, you know, basically, when you get right down to it, the basic uh, uh, of freedom of religion has to be free speech. Well, I yeah. I don't know how the Finnish jury system works. But apparently they were the people of Finnish who brought some reason to this That's right. accusation and, and That's situation. Right. I haven't Good seen what the prosecutors have said, but it was uh, sounded like it was a silly case to begin with. But uh, then you, you never know. You know, you, we have prosecutors all over our country that do silly things. Well, we talk about the overreach of um, power, especially mm-hmm. uh, amongst those who are against people of faith and um, this uh, bishop. This Lutheran bishop won his case, and it's a victory for all of us. And it was a member of parliament, too, that right. was, that was right. involved in that. And I think there were three charges against her and only one against the bishop. But however it worked out, they were acquitted of all the charges, and uh, uh, good for them. Good but it's them. such a shame for me to watch good people be this, have the system used against them. They never should have had to go through this entire process. That's right. That's right. And we're going to talk about the system in a little bit when we have uh, uh, Keisha Russell, who's a constitutional attorney with First Liberty, who's going to be on in a few minutes with us. And uh, she was testifying last week. Right. She was supposed before, to be our guest, wasn't she? She was supposed to be our guest last week, and she got, they chose sent, her she to... got sent to the to the Congress to uh, to testify in, uh, and we're the, glad she did. Uh, You'll yes, be. and and our our uh, her uh, testimony we have in our blog. I have to scroll down a little bit to find it now, but it's on the blog. Give that address again, so our listeners know how to find that blog. Oh, uh, faithontrialradio.blogspot.com. Great. Yeah. Great. Um, so there hasn't been a vote yet, so it'll be interesting. To... I think it's supposed to uh, next week. I think she came out of the committee in a tie vote. Uh, but uh, next week they're going to have uh, on the, the floor of the Senate. The floor of the Senate, yeah. They'll have the and they'll have the debate, and we'll have a new Supreme Court justice. But interesting, maybe, maybe she, yeah, right. Well, by all accounts, all uh, accounts, yeah, she'll probably they've got their votes in yeah. line. But uh, she won't take her seat though till till the term ends. Till the term ends, right? So she'll be a lady in waiting for right. a while. A lady in waiting. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in terms of follow-up cases, I noticed here that you, oftentimes we have stories about, especially over the last two years, about the churches that were attacked mm-hmm. um, and um, put into restraints about what they could do over the past uh, couple of years. But Pacific Justice uh, just secured a win um, in the Supreme Court. Yeah, the interesting thing was it was a win last year, and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the uh, 
churches because in California, right? Yeah, in California, San Jose was trying to close down the churches, and they were fining them for uh, being open during COVID. They they broke the COVID restriction guidelines, and they harassed them by taking away their parking spots and all kinds of things. Anyway, the the thing went uh, bounced back down to the lower courts to for a decision on. how much the churches were owed by the city and the county. And, fi- and so they just finally uh, settled that, and it's a six-figure uh, settlement. I, I didn't see a, a specific number, but it's not unusual for the specific number to be withheld. Right, yeah. but we're glad for uh, Pacific Justice, and we thank all our listeners who were praying for Brad Dacus and his organization. And his organization. He, Good organization the out there, right. We have to have Brad back on again one of these days. We, have, we, we miss him. We miss him. And all speaking right. of prayers... Yeah, I was just going to say, you have yeah, a prayer for us. I'm, I'll start today with a prayer for peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love, those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among the nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gina. We will be right back in a couple of minutes after these messages. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, brewed locally since 2012 and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited-release beers. Confluence Brewing Company, 1235 Thomas Beck Road, off the bike trail south of Grays Lake. Confluencebrewing.com. Iowa Catholic Radio welcomes Scotty McCreary with special guest Allie Colleen. Give myself five Sunday, July 24th at the Iowa Event Center Ballroom. I'm in between. Tickets and information available at CelebrateCountry.org. Sponsored by Ball Team. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Skeffington's Formal Wear. In business since 1951, with locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Coralville, and Ankeny. Skeffington's Formal Wear, fitting you for life celebrations. Online at Skeffington's.com. St. Vincent de Paul helps so many people. You're right, Zoe. St. Vincent de Paul Executive Director Steve Havman here. We are serving over 32,000 local residents with food, clothing, furniture, and financial assistance annually. We invite you to learn more about all of our life-changing programs that positively impact so many Iowans by simply Googling St. Vincent de Paul of Des Moines. Our mission is to help those in need become self-sufficient through education, community connectedness, and unconditional support. Help us help others. Even kids! Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And we're back. You're listening to Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, We have on the line right now with this uh, Keisha Russell, uh, who's a constitutional attorney with First Liberty, uh, and I guess direct, Keisha, from uh, uh, your testimony before the United States Senate. Good morning. Good morning. You, uh, we saw your testimony. Uh, you were testifying, obviously, in the, uh, in the hearing for the potentially new Supreme Court justice. Uh, what did you say and what have we found out about uh, uh, Judge Jackson? Well, I talked about um, 
what we believe at First Liberty be her allegiance to critical race theory and how that would impact her judicial philosophy. Um, you know, the other things that I think are really important to note are that, you know, she is backed by many, many liberal organizations, Demand Justice for One, um, Planned Parenthood, a number of other uh, very progressive organizations. And those kinds of organizations are not going to back you unless they feel like you're going to be favorable to their positions. All right. Uh, well, you, you had, I think they gave you five minutes, six minutes, something like that. You, you made a very good presentation. Like I say, it's up on our uh, our blog. If anybody wants to uh, go there, they can they can see um, what you uh, testified to. Um, let's broaden it a little bit away from uh, critical race theory uh, to just uh, religious liberty and freedom of speech in general. Uh, where does she stand there, and what's the problem with her in those areas? Well, in terms of religious freedom, you know, she wrote an amicus brief on behalf of an abortion uh, organization, and it was in uh, opposition to religious people who wanted to be outside abortion clinics to minister to women who were going to have an abortion or were considering an abortion. Um, And she, you know, was in favor of free speech zones and keeping those people out of those free speech zones. not to mention, you know, one of the things that people fail to realize about religious liberty is that you really have to stick to the text of the Constitution and the precedent in order to get, you know, favorable decisions. Um, a lot of times when we see unfavorable decisions, it's from judges that refuse to adhere to the text of the Constitution and the precedent attached to it. And we saw um, in some of her opinions and orders that she does very much steer clear from the text. Um, and that's very, um, that's a matter of concern for religious liberty organizations. Well, certainly, certainly it is. One of the things, and uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's something that just kind of a, a gut feeling that looking at President Biden's other nominees for other posts, especially critical posts, um, I'm to, uh, I guess I'm getting to the point where I can't really trust those appointees simply because of who they are and what they represent and some of the things they've been advocating. And so I think as soon as he made the nomination uh, for this uh, justice, uh, all sorts of red flags went off, in my mind anyway, uh, if he was making some of those other, I think, bad decisions for other appointees, that we may have another one here. Overall, then, looking at uh, the uh, Judge Jackson, uh, what else are some of the other problems that you see uh, with her pedigree, so to speak? Well, in terms of her education, at least, the, the, her background is you know pretty solid. I mean, she mm-hmm. went to Harvard, and she's been on the bench for about a decade. I think the, the real issue is looking at her philosophy as it relates to adjudicating cases, um, how she... Uh, looks at the Constitution and its impact on um, interpreting uh, cases and what's going on. And I think ultimately, you know, most conservatives can expect Joe Biden to pick someone that they're not going to be aligned with ideologically, right? I mean, that's just sort of the nature of this thing. And so you really have to do your diligence in looking at why and examining why um, so that you can make, you know, proper decisions at the voting booth. Yeah, I think I had... uh... He uh, chosen a more mainstream liberal. Uh, probably wouldn't be any kerfuffle about uh, the nominee. It would have just passed on through since uh, um, she's a liberal replacing a liberal. 
But right. I think looking at his background, I'm I'm really concerned about what may be coming up um, on her radar that she may be looking for. Yeah, I mean, you, there's there's no telling. I mean, we have First Liberty has three critical religious liberty cases at the Supreme Court. One of them actually just came down, so now we've got two active. Um, and then, of course, these religious liberty cases are getting more and more pressing every year. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, it really, really matters if you have a justice in there that's going to want to misinterpret the Constitution because they're looking for a particular political or ideological outcome that doesn't match the Constitution. So it, it's definitely a concern for Right. Us. Gina? Oh, sir, sure, certainly. Yeah, Keisha, I... I, you may not know this, but I have no law background, so I, I'm a citizen, a voter, and I watched some of these hearings. And my takeaway, especially since we've been so blessed to be able to watch um, so many of these hearings and appointments over the last course of six, eight years, uh, the comparisons are very stark to me. They have um, – I, I ha- got the overall sense – My takeaway from watching parts of the hearings is that um, this particular appointee did not seem as solid in her convictions. She felt, I I got the sense that she um, didn't have a solid worldview philosophy, that she uh, uh, wanted to change the world, but not so much as what that new world looks like. Uh, Could you... um, maybe make some uh, observations of your own about that takeaway? Well, honestly, I think that's part of the reason why some people don't understand um, how dangerous her actual judicial philosophy really is, is because she refused to answer some questions directly. Um, now, there is there's justification for not answering some questions if you feel like that there will be a case or controversy that comes before the Supreme Court that deals with this these issues. But answering questions about her judicial philosophy, she basically that she doesn't have one, she has a methodology. Um, she refused to say what her condi- her, uh, her opinion is on court packing, um, which is really important. I mean, Justice Breyer and Justice Ginsburg were both against that, um, and she wouldn't provide any real... Um, opinion on those on that and and so i think a lot of a lot of the reason why you feel that way is because there were a lot of questions she didn't really answer um and not because there would be necessarily a case or controversy controversy in front of her but because she didn't want to answer it i see so she's been on the bench for 10 years um we've had a lot of cases over the last couple of years relating to um religious freedom be it um, the closing of the churches or um, mandatory vaccines, um, exemptions uh, for the vaccinations. Uh, Has she had any case, has she ruled on any cases uh, in the last couple of years with our pandemic-related policies? No, uh, not that I I can recall reading. Um, I think most of our political cases were about the Trump administration making some sort of uh, decision at the federal level that she felt was inappropriate, and then she would have been like, subsequently overturned by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. This is when she was a district court judge. And that's a liberal um, court, the, the exactly. D.C. Court of Appeals. For, so to yes. overturn her means something. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, so, um, mm-hmm. And the other thing that we know is, being in D.C. for t- I don't, where is she originally from? I I don't even know, but being in D.C. for ten years has some sort of an influence on anyone uh, that uh, is actually domiciled there <laughs> for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, the swamp effect, I guess, is how we 
in the jocular. Out here, look at it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, how did the senators um, take to your testimony? Did you have any feedback from them uh, following your remarks? Yeah, actually, I, I got a lot of really encouraging feedback from uh, the senators on both sides of the aisle, actually. And I know that there were senators on the other side that didn't uh, maybe didn't agree with my position, but they certainly appreciated the testimony because they recognized it wasn't an easy position uh, for me to take. But um, they were very gracious, I would say, the uh, senators on both sides. Um, and, you know, I really appreciated even the panelists, the other uh, witnesses were also uh, just very pleasant, and um, it definitely wasn't as uh, tense and uh, loaded with conflict as it seems like it is on TV. <laughs> That's good to know. How many other yeah. uh, panelists were there to provide testimony on her appointment? So there were 10 of us total, including me. So five for the Democrats, five for uh, the Republicans. Have, have you ever done that before, or is this the first um, time you've been able to provide that kind of testimony? Yes, especially at that level is, is, I mean, the Senate Judiciary Committee is uh, the most powerful committee, I mean, in the Senate. I mean, I think there's really no question about that. Um, and so to be able to provide testimony at that level is just such a great opportunity for First Liberty and I think demonstrates how hard we've been working in this area. And uh, we've been providing information, you know, to the federal government about their judicial nominees for some time now. We did it during the Trump administration. Um, and just so people know we're bipartisan in our position, there were people, the, you know, nominees that the Trump administration um, wanted that we said would not be strong on, on religious liberty. So we try to be very objective in our analysis. It very seems like all the people that we get on this radio program that have testified before Congress have come from First Liberty. Well, that's a good thing. That says a lot about your organization. <laughs> yes, yes. well, I have to say... That's why we keep in touch with you guys. I, the, one of the things that makes me very happy is to, to let people, or young ladies, know that this is a profession that they could get involved in. And hopefully the coverage, um, your testimony, um, the judges' uh, appearances ha- help uh, young ladies know that uh, becoming a judge and fighting for truth is, is an honorable cause. Absolutely. Fighting for truth is the that operative I know, word. I know. Yes. <laughs> Keisha, uh, just if I can uh, pick your brain about something that you may be a little uncomfortable talking about, but uh, what are your odds here on her making it uh, through the Senate or not? Um, I think she's she's got a, a good chance of doing so. Um, she's got all the Democratic votes. Man- Manchin has said he will vote for her, and then uh, Susan Collins said she would vote for her. So that's all she needs. Okay. So she's going to be confirmed next week then. Yes. Sounds like okay. it. Yeah, sounds like it. Our next Supreme Court justice. That's right. That's right. Well, Keisha, well, we'll keep our eyes open for the uh, final proceedings of the Senate. If she's confirmed, then um, what would that do to the balance of the Supreme Court? We have uh, obviously a liberal uh, following a liberal. So it doesn't affect it at all, which is good. You know, we still have got the 6-3 uh, conservative um and that that's of course if you still consider Roberts a conservative. Yes. Um, but <laughs> but um yeah, so the the balance will not be shifted at all. Um I think she's going to be uh left of Breyer though, um in terms of her. That position. sounds but, like it. And then yeah, we'll of see. course one more uh, appointee by the uh uh Democratic administration now and we're getting pretty close to difficult territory. 
Yes, absolutely. So we're just going to keep fighting the good fight here at First Liberty. We're still going to do what we have to do uh, no matter what. Keisha, I want to thank you for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, you were worth waiting for. We had you scheduled last week, but unfortunately the, the Senate <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the Senate took you instead of us, but we appreciate you coming here. Before we go, uh, can you give us uh, your web address or something so that uh, folks here will know where to go to get more information or even to make a, a donation to your cause? Absolutely. You can go to firstliberty.org. Very good. Very good. Certainly appreciate your time here, Keisha Rushel, uh, a constitutional attorney with First Liberty. Thank you very much. God bless you and your work. And uh, we will be right back after these messages. Thank you, Keisha. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsara.org, join org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Iowa Catholic Radio would like to thank our business partner, Fast Signs. Learn more about their signs, digital signs, banners, and other products and services at fastsigns.com or 515-224-1210. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Savage Power. At Intervisions Healthcare, we see patients with unplanned pregnancies from ages 12 to 43. An unplanned pregnancy is traumatic at any age. For that reason, we specialize in educating, encouraging, and empowering vulnerable and at-risk mothers facing an unexpected pregnancy with the medical information and services necessary for them to make an informed decision. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support our mission or become a volunteer, visit IVHcare.org. Everyday Iowa Catholic Radio connects listeners to Christ with the help of business underwriters. Our listeners appreciate and support businesses who share their values and beliefs. If you own or manage a business, we would like to talk with you about how we can work together to make a positive impact in Central Iowa and beyond. Iowa Catholic Radio underwriters share with us in the mission of changing lives through the good news of Jesus Christ. To learn more about how your business can support Iowa Catholic Radio, contact Deacon Mark Campbell at 515-223-1150. And we're back here listening to Faith on Trial, Iowa Catholic Radio. Gina, um, nice interview, I think, with uh, Keisha Russell. Oh, excellent. I'm so glad we had an opportunity to find some time to get her here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we uh, had a little bit of a problem in the past right? Uh, with wrong hookups and things and technical difficulties. And then last week we were ready to have her on again uh, as the hearings were winding down. And then we find out she's got to testify. Right. So, yeah, so that was, she was taken from us kind of at the last minute. But we called back and said, make sure we get her next Next week, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't sound like this particular nomination was as um, uh, brutal, for lack of a better word, uh, to the the nominee as Right. Nobody asked her about her drinking habits or what she was doing (laughs) in high school or if she ever got drunk or anything like they did to Kavanaugh. It seems very, um, very parliamentary, you know, all the way through. So, um, yeah. it's well, when you let like, the monkeys loose in the zoo, you see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like it, you know, as soon as nom- the nominee was made or the nomination was made, it, it was predisposed that she would be our next Supreme Court justice. So it'll be interesting to see her rulings, I guess. We'll have to follow it here on the show. 
I think uh, she would probably have gathered more votes or the nominee would have gathered more votes had it been a more mainstream liberal. Right. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, she she does seem to come out from left field. And I like the way you describe it. She doesn't seem to be able to understand or to articulate what her uh, uh, legal philosophy is, which is serious when we're talking about somebody who's going to go on the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, by comparison, let's just use uh, Amy Coney Barrett as a comparison. She was solid. You know, even if the the um, judiciary members were of the Judiciary Committee were not on her side on that, she never wavered or tried to please them with an, right. a response. She she gave her view and she backed it up with her reasoning, and it seemed very solid. And I didn't see that kind of delivery. In, in this particular uh, right. case. And, and I think in a way uh, they were trying to protect her a little bit from a lot of probing questions about political philosophy and that. And, of course, they criticized one of the senators for being rude to her. She shouldn't be rude to her. Well, oh, let's, talk they, yeah, let's talk about rude. let's talk about rude. Let's talk about rude. Speaking of the Supreme Court, I noticed that the uh, Supreme Court uh, backed the Pentagon in allowing them to um, – put a restriction on their Navy SEALs going overseas without vaccination. But right. then we had another ruling this week, and I'm wondering how that all plays out. We, we had on the program uh, some time ago the story about, the, I think there were 26 Navy SEALs that were uh, had filed suit against the government because of the they weren't honoring their r- religious exemption request for the vaccine mandate. Correct. Okay? And the judge, the local judge, uh, put a halt to that, said, no, you can't, government, you can't do that. These 26 Navy SEALs can stay. Uh, and they don't, and they have to get the exemption or you have to do something else. You know, you can't just say, well, no exemption, you're out. Uh, so since then now, and this just recently in the, in the past week or so, that judge heard the case again or re- reviewing the case and he expanded his order to cover all Navy personnel, not just the 26 that were before him, but uh, covering every single one of them. So the government now cannot refuse to give an exemption and then kick them out. They have to do some other procedural stuff if they're going to do that. Uh, which I don't. I'm not sure the Navy is up to, but uh, it it just shows you the the problem that we're having right now with the government and religious liberty. You know, we've talked about this before. In one case, we had we found that uh, nobody was getting the religious exemption. Well, right? we can talk about this more next week. We will. Let's we end certainly with a will. Prayer. Let's end here. Saint Michael. The archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We will be back next week with another program of Faith on Trial. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app.